0: Welcome to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia, the publisher of Seeking Rents, a newsletter where we explore the ways businesses influence public policy in Florida, from the office of Governor Ron DeSantis in the Florida legislature to city and county halls around the state. The name Seeking Rents comes from a term in economics called rent seeking. And rent seeking refers to when people with political influence, like lobbyists for large corporations or wealthy campaign contributors, Use their power to change public policy in a way that makes more money for them, usually at the expense of somebody else, like getting laws passed that allow them to pay their workers less, or that freeze out competition from smaller businesses, or that subsidize their profits with tax breaks. If you haven't already, please sign up for our newsletter at seekingrentsfl.com. That will ensure our stories and podcasts are sent straight to your inbox the minute they post. Subscriptions are free but you can choose to buy one too. It's entirely up to you. But please know that every paid subscription helps us cover the cost of things like public records requests. And those records requests help us expose more rent-seeking here in Florida. Okay, so this is episode 10, and it has admittedly been a long time between shows. So I'm just going to jump right in. In early January 2020, Just five days before Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was going to deliver his annual State of the State Address to open that year's legislative session, the governor's staff pulled together an exclusive list of donors to invite to a private reception following his speech. The reception would be an evening affair at the taxpayer-owned governor's mansion in Tallahassee, where these lucky donors would be able to rub elbows with top lawmakers, key agency heads, and, of course, DeSantis himself. The governor's office staff referred to these invitations as being for, quote-unquote, relationship management. The invite list, which actually turned up in a public records request, had 141 names on it. The names included the top lobbyist for Walt Disney World. This was back when DeSantis was working closely with and raising lots of money from Disney rather than threatening to build a prison on its property. Speaking of prisons, the list also included the chairman of the GEO Group, the nation's largest operator of for-profit prisons, which makes millions of dollars every year running correctional institutions in Florida. And there were at least 12 billionaires on the list, including the owners of the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco Giants. Now, I don't know every single name on the list myself, but I've shown it to a few plugged-in folks who all say this is a list of donors that DeSantis was working hard to cultivate. For example, Reuters had a really interesting story a few days ago in which they obtained text messages between DeSantis back when he was first running for governor in 2018 and Lev Parnas, the Ukrainian-American businessman who was briefly an important figure in the orbit of former President Donald Trump and a substantial political fundraiser himself. In some of those messages, DeSantis explicitly pressured Parnas to get a pair of big-dollar donors in Florida to contribute to DeSantis' campaign. DeSantis wanted $50,000 or more from each of them. One of those donors ran a construction company and the other led a roofing contracting business. Both of those donors ultimately gave money to DeSantis, and both of them were on this invite list for DeSantis' governor's mansion reception. I mention this now because it's an example of just how methodically DeSantis has used the power and trappings of his office to court some of the wealthiest campaign contributors in the country. This has been happening from day one of his administration. In mid-2019, not long after DeSantis took office, the Tampa Bay Times discovered a campaign memo revealing the governor's plans to charge donors $100,000 to play a round of golf with him, or $250,000 for an hour of meeting time. More recently, the New York Times reported that DeSantis's political team was planning to bring in donors for a series of strategy briefings at the governor's mansion, which is uh, an especially convenient location now because DeSantis just signed a bill allowing allowing him to hide mansion visitor logs from the public. And NBC News just reported that some of DeSantis's official staff, taxpayer-funded employees in the governor's office and state agencies, are asking lobbyists for donations, even as they discuss bills and budget projects that those lobbyists want the governor to support. And all of this is sort of paying off right now as DeSantis finally begins his long-planned campaign for U.S. president. The DeSantis campaign announced last week that it raised more than $8 million in its first 24 hours of official fundraising, a staggering sum of money in such a short period of time. That fundraising announcement generated a wave of positive news stories across the country for DeSantis, who has sort of stumbled through a series of uh, embarrassing gas in the early going and was desperate to prove to people that he really can be a credible challenger to former President Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. But while most of those political news stories happily trumpeted news of DeSantis' big fundraising haul, they failed to really get into what DeSantis has done to get all that money. And this goes a lot further than evening soirees at the governor's mansion and $100,000 rounds of golf. It gets into public policy favors that DeSantis has done for the people now propelling his political ascent, sometimes at your expense. So that's what we're going to talk about on this show, the public policy favors that Ron DeSantis has done or may do very soon for some of his biggest donors. Now, obviously, this is a pretty big subject. Ron DeSantis, who raised more than $100 million for his 2022 reelection campaign, has done a lot for his biggest donors. From signing legislation they lobbied for, to awarding grants in support of their real estate developments, to installing them on boards that run Florida's universities, airports, toll roads, water districts, and more. Heck, I uh, mentioned Disney and the GEO group off the top. During its first term as governor, DeSantis signed a $5 million tax break that was literally written by Disney's lobbyists and helped the company get a carve out from a tech law that Disney didn't like. And he recently signed a bill that will allow Florida to punish the big banks that have stopped lending to GeoGroup and to others in the private prison industry. You can read about these examples and many more in our newsletter. I'll post a few examples in the show notes. But today, we're going to focus specifically on three bills that just passed the Florida legislature during the 2023 session, which ended a few weeks ago. None of these bills got much attention during a session where, where the headlines were dominated by big social issues like DeSantis' six-week abortion ban, curriculum restrictions at state universities, and efforts to deny the very existence of members of the LGBTQ community, particularly transgender Floridians. But all three of these bills took rights away from either workers or consumers, and all three directly benefited some of the billionaires now backing his bid for president. So let's dive in. Okay, so maybe you heard last week that Elon Musk helped Ron DeSantis launch his presidential campaign using one of Musk's companies, Twitter. Well, (laughs) you might not have heard it given all the crashing and glitches, but you probably heard about it anyway. But did you know that 24 hours later, DeSantis turned around and signed a bill into law that will help another one of Musk's companies? That company is SpaceX, and the bill is Senate Bill 1318, and it's a bad one. To sum it up, this new law strips employees at spaceflight companies like SpaceX and their families of some of their legal rights to sue if they are injured or killed in a launch or reentry accident. Maybe that doesn't sound so bad to you. Strapping yourself to a rocket and launching yourself into space is an inherently dangerous job after all. But this law will protect SpaceX and other companies from lawsuits even if the accident was caused by their own carelessness. Imagine that God forbid you're the parent or the spouse of an astronaut who was killed in a launch pad explosion. And the investigation reveals that the explosion happened because SpaceX made its workers rush the fueling process to meet a deadline, or because the company cut out some seemingly redundant safety inspection to save a bit of money, or because it bought cheaply made component parts. The bill that Ron DeSantis just signed into law will prevent you from successfully suing Elon Musk's company for negligence. The impact of this bill extends beyond the onboard crew, too. That's because of the way it's written, it also implies to ground employees, including contractors and subcontractors, who get hurt or killed in some accident there, like, say, when prepping the rocket for launch. SpaceX lobbied hard for this bill during the Florida legislature's 2023 session. Now, it wasn't the only company that wanted it to pass. In fact, lobbying records suggest the bill may have actually begun with Blue Origin, another space company backed by a billionaire mogul, in this case, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Aerospace giant Boeing company lobbied for it too. But SpaceX led the charge. It repeatedly testified in support of the bill in public hearings. Records suggest the company might have helped write part of it too, although we're still digging into that. Supporters kept claiming they were just extending the same protections to SpaceX and Blue Origin that NASA already has. Except, of course... NASA is a public agency that is ultimately run by and accountable to elected officials who are accountable to voters. SpaceX, Blue Origin, and Boeing are for-profit companies accountable only to profit-motivated investors. The threat of civil lawsuits and of potentially expensive punitive awards from judges and juries when a company does something wrong is one of the only checks we have on private businesses to make sure they don't skimp on things like safety. Seriously, Imagine deciding to give lawsuit immunity to Boeing of all companies after everything that went down with the 737 MAX jet. But that's just what Ron DeSantis did, and nobody is happier about it than billionaire Elon Musk and SpaceX. Well, except maybe billionaire Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin. So this was a great legislative session in Florida for billionaire owners of space companies but not so much for workers at billionaire-owned space companies. But it was also an awful session for some folks who work for billionaire-owned baseball teams. That's because lobbyists for Major League Baseball got the Florida legislature to pass Senate Bill 892, which cuts minor league baseball players off from Florida's minimum wage. Listen, I've been covering Florida politics for more than 20 years now, and I've never seen a more mean-spirited piece of legislation than this. It's the sort of bill that Montgomery Burns would sponsor. Minor league baseball players, many of whom come from poverty in countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, have historically been badly exploited by their their teams. For years, most of them made less than $5,000 a year, and teams wouldn't pay them anything at all during long periods of time, like spring training which is something Major League Baseball could get away with because the federal government decided to exempt the league and its teams from antitrust laws. And remember, the vast majority of minor leaguers never even sniff a big league paycheck. Well, a few years ago, a group of current and former minor leaguers got together and filed a class action suit against MLB and its 30 teams. The suit accused the teams of violating minimum wage and overtime laws around the country including in Florida. As part of that suit, lawyers for Major League Baseball tried to argue that Florida law already excluded minor leaguers from the state minimum wage, but the judge ruled against the league. So Major League Baseball owners turned around and went running to Tallahassee for help and asked the legislature to pass a bill formally screwing minor leaguers out of state minimum wage protections. And the Florida legislature happily obliged You know, some people seem to think that this was meant to help local minor league clubs like the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp or the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. That's certainly what baseball lobbyists wanted them to think anyway. But it's a lie. All player salaries, minor leaguers included, are paid by the major league teams. So a law that allows major league baseball teams to pay some of those players less money helps exactly one constituency, the owners of major league baseball teams all of whom are either billionaires or multimillionaires. Seriously, I added it up. The principal owners of baseball's 30 teams have a combined net worth of more than $60 billion. That's billion with a B. This, of course, is the same constituency that Ron DeSantis is courting right now to bankroll his campaign for president. I mentioned earlier that the owner of the San Francisco Giants was one of the billionaires on the governor's VIP invitation list for that 2020 state-of-the-state reception. Well, he's not the only MLB owner who DeSantis has tapped for cash. In fact, earlier this year, just one day after Major League Baseball's minimum wage bill was filed in Tallahassee, DeSantis cashed a $1 million check from Joe Ricketts, the founder of TD Ameritrade, whose kids now own the Chicago Cubs. DeSantis hasn't yet said whether he will sign or veto this baseball bill. But I think it's interesting that Major League Baseball made sure to hire the Tallahassee lobbying firm that's run by one of the governor's biggest fundraisers. And that also happens to employ DeSantis's former chief of staff. Blue Origin hired the same firm, by the way. Now, obviously these last two bills don't directly affect that many workers. There are, after all, only so many people flying SpaceX rockets into space or playing for the Chicago Cubs' single-A affiliate. That's the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, by the way. But I think both of these bills are still really important to stop and think about for a second, because they are a vivid illustration of just how hostile Florida's elected leaders have become to frontline workers of all kinds. I mean, we're talking about astronauts and baseball players here, These are literally American icons, but not even they're safe when billionaires come to Tallahassee looking for a favor. But here's a third bill that will affect a much bigger group of people. Heck, it'll probably piss you off at some point, too. But first, let me ask you this. Do you like buying a new car Do you like having to go to a dealership and not knowing the actual price of the car you want and having to haggle with a high-pressure salesman who keeps trying to tack on $200 for undercoating? Do you ever wonder why buying a car isn't just like buying a book or a fridge? Why you can't just go to Amazon.com or Ford.com or Honda.com and order the exact car you want at a price that you know up front? This is the result of antiquated state laws designed to protect car dealers the middlemen who buy vehicles from manufacturers like Ford and Honda and then sell them to you at a markup. These protectionist laws ensure each dealer has a territorial monopoly to themselves, and they force you to buy through them rather than buying directly from the manufacturer. Maybe these laws made sense 75 years ago, when the car market was dominated by the big three in Detroit and most dealerships were genuinely mom-and-pop small businesses but it is an absurd and utterly anti-consumer system today when there are more than a dozen major car makers to choose from and when car dealers are giant predatory businesses themselves. This is a crazy stat to me. Of the 80 largest private companies in Florida, 17 are car dealers. That's uh, according to Florida Trend, the business news magazine where I used to work. This literally costs you money. Take Tesla, another Elon Musk company, as it happens. Because it's a much newer company, Tesla has been able to sell cars directly to its customers rather than having to work through a middleman network of dealers. That lets the company sell much more cheaply than its older competitors can. Ford, for example, has estimated that car dealers drive up the price of its vehicles by something like $2,000 per car. So these legacy car makers like Ford have been looking for new ways to sell electric vehicles in order to better compete with Tesla and other newer EV companies. They want to do things like sell directly to consumers online, or at least make their dealers set standard transparent prices. Well, the car dealers hate this. So lobbyists for the dealer industry wrote House Bill 637, which flew through the Florida legislature this spring and is now waiting for Ron DeSantis to sign it. This is such an anti-consumer bill. It is designed to force you to keep buying cars through dealers, even if you'd rather buy from car makers directly. It literally makes it illegal for a company like Ford to let you order a specific car online from them and choose where to have it delivered. I mentioned that the bill was written by the industry. Specifically, it was written by lobbyists and lawyers for a group called the Florida Automobile Dealers Association. We didn't even need to search public records to figure this out, by the way. They just posted videos online boasting about how they wrote it. They called it the dealer's bill. But the bill wasn't just written by this association. In those videos, they also said that a handful of the very biggest car dealer companies in Florida were directly involved in writing it, too. One of those companies was Brahmin Motors, which owns dealerships in South Florida and is led by a billionaire named Norman Brahman. Norman Brahmin was another one of the billionaires on Ron DeSantis' VIP invitation list. So there you have it. Three bills from this past legislative session that directly benefit billionaire donors at the expense of astronauts and minor league ballplayers and literally anyone who wants to buy a new car in Florida. I mentioned that DeSantis has already signed the SpaceX bill into law, but he hasn't announced what he's going to do yet about the baseball or car dealer bills. And I actually think there's a decent chance they'll veto that baseball bill. Here's why. Last fall, minor league baseball players formed a new labor union. It's the first time minor leaguers have ever unionized. And just a few weeks before this year's session ended, these newly unionized minor leaguers negotiated their first labor contract with Major League Baseball. That contract sets a new pay scale for players, regardless of whether Florida cuts them off from the minimum wage. So now that that labor deal is done, it's possible that Major League Baseball and its billionaire team owners may not mind if DeSantis decides to tank this bill. We'll see soon enough, I suppose. By the way, this is a clear example of how unions help level the playing field between workers and corporations and owners. It's also an example of why DeSantis recently signed another bill that is designed to bust unions in a bunch of other sectors. But that's going to have to wait for a future show. Until then, thank you for tuning back in. I know we went on a long break, although that was partly because of the Florida Legislature's 2023 session and how much time that took up. But now that session is over, thank God, I'm hoping we'll get back on more of a regular podcast schedule around here. I expect uh, that a lot of our time, at least in the near future, will be spent unpacking more of what Ron DeSantis and the Legislature just passed – And more about DeSantis' record on rent-seeking issues specifically, especially now that the rest of the country is starting to learn about him. But we're always willing to listen to other ideas and pursue other tips, too. So please feel free to contact me at any time. My contact info will be in the show notes. Okay, thanks again for listening, everybody. See you soon.